0: Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to John chapter 5. John 5 we will be in the first half of the chapter today. Religious people love to criticize rather than rejoice. Um, there have been a lot of people in the past few years make professions of faith and repentance, um, well, well known on, on the news. Um, two that you may or may not be aware of, I think one you're aware of, one you may not be. Um, one is Kanye West. Um, the other is a man named Todd White. You, you may not know who Todd White is. Todd White was a, is a... Um, uh, best way I know to put it, he's, he, he's a false preacher. He, um, he is a part of the health and wealth movement. He um, goes around and, and tells people that he can heal them of their back pain by lengthening their leg, but he really just pulls a, a, a magic trick on them. It doesn't really work, but people think it works. Um, Kanye West, as you know, came out, I think, last year saying he had come to Christ and um, while he has done a few crazy things since then, it, it seems genuine on his part. Todd White, on the other hand, um, announced in one of his sermons at his church that he had finally come to the true understanding. And then the next week, he's like back to completely um, preaching what he used to preach. And when these people come to faith or, and, and repent, typically Christians have a very quick response. When someone like Kanye West comes to, faith in christ the 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 very quick response of most christians is yeah right yeah right and i confess i've been that person before things have played out differently with each one of those but it's a very dangerous thing in the way christians often have the attitude of someone like kanye west that he's lost until proven saved we don't do that with any person who walks the aisle in church but we do that with someone like Kanye West. We're a lot more like the Pharisees than God when we do that. We're, we're going to see in the passage today how the Pharisees want to lock people into a prison of rules and regulations rather than rejoice at what Jesus does in their life. So John 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17, and we will work through more later, but, but I want to start there It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said this to you, to take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. We'll stop there for right now. Jesus, as I've said, performed seven miracles. They're called signs in John because they point to something. He performed seven of them in John. This is the third one. The the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, Jesus is at a feast in Jerusalem. We don't know what feast that is, but he comes to this pool. And this pool would have been a pitiful sight. It would have been a pitiful sight. You've got blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, all laying around this pool, crying out, for, um, to get into this pool and be healed. There was a kind of a, a view of this pool that if you got into it, the first one to get in, when the water stirred up, you would be healed of whatever you had. And so if you're a crippled man like this guy, you obviously can't get there really quick. Um, this pool had healing waters as they thought. That this man laying here has been here for 38 years. He's been crippled for 38 years. I don't know if he's been by the pool for 38 years, but he's been dealing with this for a long time. 38 years is a long time. I wasn't born 38 years ago. I didn't exist yet. My mom was still in middle school 38 years ago. 38 years ago was 1982, just to put it in perspective for you. 1982. Cell phones were barely a thing at that point. If you had one, it's because you were important. It was the year Michael Jackson released Thriller. It was, it was the year David Letterman aired his first talk show. It was the year the newspaper USA Today started publishing. It was the year Disney World opened the Epcot Center. And you see, that's so long ago that younger people may not know who David Letterman is, but the rest of these things, we just kind of live in a world where those have always existed in our minds. The Epcot Center, USA Today, Thriller, cell phones, they've always been here because that's how long time has been. That's how long this guy's been crippled. He hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. And on this day, Jesus approaches him and he says, do you want to be healed? You would think his answer would be yes, yes. But it's not what he says. He, He actually makes excuses. He says, sir, I've got nobody to put me in the water. How am I going to be healed? Well, Jesus didn't ask you anything about the water. He asked you, do you want to be healed? We often do that, don't we? I know I do, where Jesus' word says one thing, and I read it, and I say, yeah, that'll never happen. Maybe you have a prodigal child, and you read the story of the prodigal son, and you get to the end of the story where the son comes running home after a a wrecked life, and he, he comes home, and you read that, and you say, Jesus, you don't know my kid. Well, actually, Jesus knows your kid better than you know him. But um, Jesus looks at this guy who's making excuses. You can almost hear the sternness of Jesus in verse eight. He says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And the man does it. After 38 years of not being able to walk at the simple words of Jesus, He walks. He gets up. You know, this story completely shuts down modern faith healers. I know I mentioned them some last week. Um, You know those crazy guys who broadcast a lot on TV where if you give them money, you'll receive healing. You'll receive what you're praying for. You know, if you sow a seed, you'll reap a harvest, that sort of thing. You know, if you have enough faith, you'll get what you're praying for. So when you don't get what you're praying for, you must have not had enough faith. What's wrong with you? You know, they'll say things like it's God's will to heal everyone. You just have to have enough faith for him to do it. Um, This story seems to say the opposite of that. This story seems to shut down the, the the, the, the system of modern faith healers because Jesus could have healed everybody at this pool. He heals one guy. He doesn't heal everybody. Jesus healed this guy, and this guy did not believe in him. He actually goes and tattletales on him to the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus healed this guy, and we learned he didn't even know what Jesus' name was. That doesn't sound like a ton of faith, if I'm a, if, if we're honest. You gotta know who Jesus is to have faith in him, right? So, modern faith healers do not believe their garbage, do not watch them, do not pay money to them. They're fakers. So Jesus heals the guy, the guy goes, he's walking around Jerusalem, it's the Sabbath, and the Pharisees, the behavior police, come driving up in their car, beep, 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 hey, you're not supposed to be carrying that bed, you're not supposed to be carrying that mat, what are you doing? He's carrying this bed. He's finally free from his sickness. The Pharisees should be rejoicing. This guy's been freed from his sickness that he's had for 38 years. But they run over like a hall monitor and write him up. They write him up. They say it's not lawful for you to be carrying your bed. Don't picture like your bed, you know, a big bed frame. Probably just a mat that you laid down on the ground. Um, they say it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. Let's just. Let's just hear the words of the Sabbath for for a second, because I want you to hear it. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourners who are within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy. I must have missed the part about you not being able to pick up your bed there. And the Pharisees did, apparently found it. I can't find it, but it's apparently in there. Is there anything in there about not carrying your bed on the Sabbath? No. No, there's not. The Pharisees had added to it, that they had added to this. God made the Sabbath for the good of man. It's very good for us. Work six days. Work really hard for six days. Rest on the seventh. Have a day off from your labor. That's what God gave it to us for. But the Pharisees wanted to make sure no one broke the law, so they made a list of work that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. They had 39 categories that you had to follow. They added to what was in the Bible. And that sounds pretty exhausting, doesn't it? You're supposed to be resting on the Sabbath, taking a day off from your labors, but you gotta make sure you keep all 39 categories on this list, or you'll break the law. It sounds exhausting. You know, I was taking a day off, but I, I needed to make sure I didn't do anything wrong, so I gotta to go to the checklist. It's a prison. It's not freedom, it's, pr- it's a prison of rules. It was not mandated by God. It was was made by the Pharisees. Don't pick up your mat on the Sabbath day. It's not God's law. It's the Pharisees' law. You know, I I guess maybe, I think there's a lot of modern examples of this. Um, Maybe a modern example of this would be the people who say that the only Bible you can read is the King James Version. Um, I love the King James Version. I think it's a wonderful translation, most most, um, influential translation of the Bible there's ever been. You know, there's a preacher out in Arizona who claims if you read the King James and can't understand it, you're probably not saved. Because it's the shepherd's voice, and if you're one of the sheep, you should be able to hear the shepherd's voice. That's baloney. I don't have trouble understanding the King James because I'm not saved. I sometimes have trouble with it because I don't live in 1611 and the English they wrote with them. You know, it, English has changed over time. If you read the original version of Chaucer's, the Canterbury Tales. Maybe you read it in school. If you read the original version written in the 1300s, you would not understand it. And it's written in English because English has evolved over time. You know, of course, there's silly Bible translations out there. There's the Jamaican version and the gangster version and the Klingon version. And those are a mockery. But if it's a Bible translation that faithfully translates the Hebrew and Greek into English, it's not bad. The best Bible translation is the one you're gonna read. Don't get trapped in a prison of having to read a certain Bible translation. But this is what the Pharisees do. They make a prison of rules. They'll say uh, that today they might say, you, you, your right standing with God, God being pleased with you, God loving you, God liking you is, is only based on your obedience. So if you're not walking with God very well, if you're slipping up, if you're sinning, if you're doing things that, that God doesn't approve of, um, but you're saved, God's not happy with you. He's got you in time out over there. So they'll, they'll say you should, you know, being a Christian, being a good Christian is that you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't sleep around, you don't watch rated R movies, and you don't vote Democrat. And that's what makes you right with God by the Pharisees of today's standard. When the Bible clearly says that right standing with God is by Christ's obedience, not your obedience, By what Christ does, not by what you do. Christ died on the cross. If we believe in him, if we put our trust in his death and resurrection, we're completely in right standing with God. That's what it means to be justified by faith. And now Christ loves you more than you can fathom, and it's secure. Not by how much you slip up, but by what he did. Of course, we, you know, we... We don't want to diminish living holy lives. We should live holy lives. But, but Pharisees want you to live according to their rule book, not according to what God says. So this part of John, um, chapters 1 through 4, was kind of a section that showed how Jesus was better than all the Jewish institutions, a wedding, a temple, a rabbi, a well. 5 through 10, so where we're going to be for the next several weeks, is going to show how Jesus is greater than all the Jewish festivals. So, first we have here the Sabbath. So, this guy has this conversation with with these guys about the Sabbath. And then Jesus finds him later, verses 14 and 15. Jesus finds this guy in the temple. And um, notice the word find there. Remember back in chapter 1, Philip found Nathanael. In chapter 9, Jesus is going to find the man born blind chapter 9, we'll get there in a few weeks, very similar to chapter 5. Jesus heals a guy. He later finds him and has a conversation with him. It's going to be a little different for the man born blind. The man here is going to not respond to Jesus well. He's going to go tattletale to the Pharisees on him. So Jesus says, you're well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man goes and tells the Pharisees that it was Jesus. So they want to kill him. Verse 16. Uh, I should have read verse 18. I'm sorry. Let's read those again. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Notice the words, this is why, there twice, verse 16, verse 18. This is why they want to kill him. The Pharisees immediately, he hasn't had much interaction with the Pharisees up to now, uh, maybe once in John. Now they start wanting to kill him, and we know they're going to eventually kill him, but they, they start wanting to kill him here for two reasons. He was breaking the Sabbath, according to them, and he was making himself equal with God. What's he say? He says, My my father's always working. My father breaks the Sabbath every Sabbath because he's not bound by the Sabbath. That is, God rested on the first Sabbath in creation, but now he doesn't rest anymore because he did that to set an example. He doesn't need to rest. He's not bound by the Sabbath. He gave that to man. So they bring those three charges against him. But, you know, if they knew their Old Testament, that they might recognize what's happening here. They claim to know their Old Testament really well. If they knew their Old Testament, they would know Isaiah 35, which is clearly referencing what happens here. Isaiah 35, verse 3 through 6. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Maybe you need to hear this today these words as a lot of us have anxious hearts today say to those who have an anxious heart be strong fear not behold your god will come with vengeance with the recompense of god he will come and save you then the eyes of the blind shall be opened the ears of the deaf unstopped then shall the lame man leap with a, like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy you hear that if these Pharisees knew this passage very well, they would see what's happening here. The lame man is leaping for joy. He has gotten up off of his mat after 38 years. It's, it's this thing of your God is coming, hello, he's right in front of you. And, he's te- and, and you're telling him that he doesn't understand the Sabbath that he created. He has made a man who was crippled for 38 years be able to walk, run, jump, and dance. Stop criticizing and rejoice. Your God has come. But, but they'd rather persecute him. That's what it says. They, they persecute him. Verse 16. So they make these charges against him and Jesus is going to answer them. Verses 19 through 30. Let's read them. So they remember the charges they made. He's breaking the Sabbath. He's calling God his father and he's making himself equal with God. So what's he say? I'm going to say verse 30 for next week. Jesus healed this guy at the pool, and the guy wasn't even grateful. He goes and tattletales. And, and so the question we might think of Jesus is, why didn't he heal someone who would have appreciated it? Why, why didn't God heal... You know, maybe, maybe you're wondering, maybe you have a loved one who died, and you're wondering, why didn't God heal... My loved one before they died. They, they they wanted to be healed. This guy didn't even want to be healed. Now, often when I see when I go to see someone in our church who's sick and they're in really bad shape, I pray for them that they'll be well. But in the back of my mind, I'm I'm struggling with this thought of man. I really hope this works and they get better. But Lord, help my unbelief because I've seen it so many times they didn't get healed. So why does Jesus heal, why doesn't Jesus heal all the people at this pool? Well, remember, this is a sign. It points to something. A stop sign tells you to stop. So what's this sign pointing to? Well, it comes from this discussion he gets into with the Jews. What what is this sign pointing to? He you see, they they made this accusation against him. And he doesn't reject that accusation. He endorses it. He says, Yeah. The accusation you're making against me is completely true. Yes, I did something on the Sabbath because my father is always working. Yes, I called God my own father because he is. Yes, I am equal with God because I was in the beginning with God. You're really amazed at my healing? He says, greater works you're going to see than that because the father is going to raise the dead through me. He's going to raise the dead out of the graves. The Jewish people thought that God had three, what what they called keys, like you would lock a door with. He could cause the rain to come from the clouds. He had that key. He had the key to open the womb and give birth. And he had the key to open the grave and raise the dead to life. So Jesus is claiming, I'm God. I can open the grave. I can open the grave and I will. I will do it. He talks about judgment coming. Judgment is going to come. The day is still coming. It's not here yet. Jesus says God has given him the authority to judge. It's another divine statement. God will judge the earth through Jesus. And so it says in verse 24, actually, no, it doesn't say, it's 23. um, All that honor the Son just as they honor the Father I'm getting mixed up. 22, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. In order to escape the judgment coming on the world, you have to honor the Son. You have to honor Him. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word is something actually kind of more like placing high value on something, something like treasuring something. You know, you treasure your little knickknacks on your, on your shelf in your house, something you bought on a trip, treasuring Christ like, like way more than that. to, To those who treasure the Son, they will treasure the Father. Jewish people today believe the Messiah hasn't come yet. They claim to follow God, but in truth, they cannot treasure God the Father if they don't treasure God the Son, if they don't treasure Jesus. He says that person who treasures him has passed out of judgment from death to life. So that's what this sign points to, what Jesus does at the pool of Bethesda. But the question still lingers there. Why doesn't God heal everyone? For those who know him, why doesn't God heal everyone? You know, for, for those who know God, for those who know Christ, he will heal them. He will. On the last day. That's what he says, on the last day. You know, I was able to go into the hospital on Tuesday and see Larry and Sue and, and, and her family as, as they were there mm-hmm. uh, waiting by her bedside. Um, I was able to get in there. And um, I remember walking over to Larry and praying with him and saying, and, and my prayer was, Lord, what joy Sue is about to know, and what sorrow Larry's about to know. Because in some way, Sue was getting healed on Tuesday. It was either going to be God taking the cancer from her and her miraculously leaving the hospital or, or through her passing on to eternity. She was healed. But I know that doesn't, that doesn't give us as much hope here and now but because that person's gone. But just understand the joy that the last day will be when all are healed. when when all who know Jesus are healed. Verse 28 and 29 describes that day. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That is, understand, when we die, we're in the presence of God. When when Sue passed away on Tuesday, her soul is with God, her body was laid into the ground out there. That's the case with with every Christian who dies. Um, The... At the end, on the last day, Jesus will come with with those souls. Bodies will come out of the ground. They'll meet like a bride and her groom on their wedding day. The bodies will be remade, made new, and, and resurrected. Bodies are going to come out of the grave. You know, I hope I'm alive when that happens, and I hope I'm in my office. And just all of a sudden, light comes in the window, and I turn around, and graves are exploding as people come out of them. I just think that'd be awesome to see. Um, I want to see the cemetery light up with the glory of of the saints of God coming out of their graves. Um, This is going to happen by the power of Jesus, because judgment has been measured out already. Those who know Jesus will be judged as righteous. Those who don't know him will not They will go to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus wants to give us the freedom of resurrection. He wants to give us that freedom where we aren't bound down by the law, by by rules and regulations, that we have to check off all the boxes. He wants to give us that freedom that one day we're going to rise. We're going to rise. The Pharisees just want to trap people in that prison. Jesus will heal all people on the last day who know him. Their bodies will burst from the grave and they will be completely well. So do you know that joy? How glorious it will be as Christ in the clouds cries out, get up, climb out of your grave, and walk. It's going to be a glorious day. So friend, do you have that hope? Because there is that second group in the passage. Everyone will be raised at the resurrection, but this second group of people will go to destruction not eternal life. Is that you? Will you be raised to joy, to the joy of eternal life? Or will you be raised to the terror of eternal death? It, it will feel, that, that will feel like the moment of death forever, yet it will never end. You will never actually die. You will never get relief. Friend, you must believe that Jesus took your place when he died so that you don't have to die. You must honor the Son Will you do that today? I'll be at the front here to talk if you want to make that decision or any other decision. Um, I'm going to pray and Caleb's going to close us out. Father, I praise you that Jesus is risen. I praise you that he will raise us. I praise you that you're not a domineering God that, ba- that binds us down in rules, binds us down in regulations, makes us have to keep checklists. But Lord, simply by faith, we are justified and we will be raised. We have that hope. We don't have to earn that. Jesus earned it for us. And so, Father, help us to worship you because of that. Help us to live our lives faithfully to you for your glory and our good. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us now as we sing and as we close and go out of here to be your disciples in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.